0: My name is Luke Crane. I am the head of games design and technology here at Kickstarter.
1: I am Anya Combs. I'm the director of games here
2: at Kickstarter. And I'm Trin Digital Outreach, and this is the Kickstarter Games Podcast. Month we were on the road quite a bit, so we've got some interesting stories from a playtest night in Chicago where I watched my friends beat up plastic fish, and some stories from Philadelphia where we attended PAX Unplugged, an all tabletop gaming expo. But first, let's check in with Luke and Anya back at the Kickstarter headquarters in Brooklyn and get caught up on our goings on. Oh,
3: yeah. <gasps>
2: Well, we're back in the office after PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia, not Boston, like I said in the games newsletter. A sheepish producer's note here for a second. I write the Kickstarter games newsletter, and the games newsletter went out to however many thousand people are subscribed to this with a grave error. I had listed PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia as being in Boston, which is, some would say, not the same city. You know, all it did was some dorks felt better and smarter than me for a little while. <laughs> and that's that's cool by me. Also, if they went
1: to Boston, that's on them.
2: Right. Like- oh, it went out on the Friday of Packs Unplugged, Plugs. So if you flew to Boston to come see me. <laughs> so that's on you, buddy.
0: Yeah, you know, I think the Philadelphians are right to... Not want to be Boston, you know, Now I, I grew up in Boston, so I get it why the Philadelphians oh. might be saying we're not Boston.
2: Is that like a, is there a rivalry between the two cities at all?
0: Boston has a rivalry with every city. yeah, yeah, really? Yeah,
2: even within Boston,
0: <laughs> yeah,, <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, this was our first uh, event with the Hypnocube. If you have a, if you haven't seen mm-hmm. the Hypnocube, it's this big glowing cube that we put at the top of our booth now, and it's got a K on it, and it makes everything much easier. It's easier to find. Um, can you guys tell me a little bit about how we came to have the Hypno Cube? Uh,
0: uh, it's a long story.
2: Oh, you know I can edit this down in 30 seconds. Don't you worry, buddy.
0: You will cut not a word of this tale. It'll be so <laughs> thrilling.
2: Anya's just slowly shaking her head. Oh,
0: boy. A few years ago, we were looking for a new design for our convention rooms. Uh, we were just looking for a way to like create a little pizzazz on the show floor and to uh, stand out. And one of the, the women who used to work here at Kickstarter, uh, Lena had this side business doing um, LED neon. Her company's called Name Glow. Ooh. Insert plug here. I talked to our inestimable events director, Alex Hudson, like, hey, can we do neon? Can we put neon on the signs? And yeah, so we came up with this idea to put these like. Glowing K's, glowing Kickstarter K's, and bolt them to these signs. It's pretty janky.
2: Sounds dangerous.
0: Yeah, it's a wonder it didn't kill anyone.
2: <laughs> Other than our
1: spirits.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: no. I'm sorry about your experience with the old neons, but the new neons is really—they're really cool. Yeah. I mean.
0: So the problem we were trying to solve for there is the visibility. Yeah, o- yeah. On the show floor, I was really inspired by another Cards Against Humanity effort uh, at Pax Prime years ago when Cards. It's Humanity was positioned in that like bridge, hallway, sky oh, bridge thing. The,
2: the death box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah it, and you built above the recommended height limits. Yeah, um,
2: all of the air conditioning was accidentally funneled into this gigantic box that we built, so the whole hall was hot but then you get into the cube and it was freezing (laughs) and we had to send out a PA to go buy everybody sweaters oh my god uh yeah keep going
0: (laughs) anyway so we were just you know on the show floor you always need visibility you always need to like rise above so this year we were like we were adamant that we wanted a piece of neon we actually experimented at Tokyo Game Market this year when I worked with the Japan team and worked with Lena again there and we made a box that said like a glowing white box that had kind of Kickstarter inscribed on it and it was just like very classic Kickstarter. It was v- very subtle, shall we say. Like it was just it looked like this kind of glowing box and didn't really stand out. And so um, Alex and I came back and we were need, like, we need more. Brighter, neon. And so we came up with this design. And originally the design was supposed to be static. Oh, yeah. uh, and then, you know, dummy me in a meeting, I was like, Wouldn't it be cool if it rotates? And it is uh, cool. It is uh, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. And then I uh, and then I was like, No, 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 no. I was it's too expensive. Everybody like a couple weeks later they were like, We're gonna make it rotate, we're And I was like, No, 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 really, it's fine, it can be static and and then uh, Anya and Ali and everybody were like, Come on, make it rotate and I was <laughs> like fine. So, yeah, now we have this giant, glowing, rotating cube forever.
2: It's I basically rather. like a Kickstarter die.
0: A, a Kickstarter, Kickstarter guy? guy? Die. Die. Oh, oh yeah.
2: yes. No, you're right. I was like, it also is like a Kickstarter guy. We
0: could sure. make a body for it and make it a Kickstarter guy. It's uh, extraordinarily fragile. Yeah,
2: yeah, we bubble taped, bubble wrapped that super hard at the end. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. A,
2: like a newborn baby. well You should not bubble <laughs> wrap a newborn Don't bubble wrap baby.
0: newborn babies. Yeah. But mean? Like,
2: with the same tender care, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anya i want to talk mm. about panels i am so sad still that i missed the art battle panel <laughs> which is always so crazy and uh, and you participated in the art this time against my will how does this work so you have artists and they are arm wrestling each other for
1: dominance so this is the brainchild of nick nazaro the artist for lay waste games he basically comes up with ideas submits them and then uh doesn't tell me and then says, hey, can you do this thing? And then doesn't give me inf- any information. And then five minutes before the panel is like, oh, this is kind of what I was envisioning. Make it happen. I'm like, great. Not a problem. <laughs> it's a beautiful I'll, working relationship you have. I'll make it work. That's, that's fine. He and three other of his artist friends get together and uh, they have two minutes each to draw live something based on audience suggestions and then we kind of throw little like challenges at them so uh, one year they had to draw with their non-dominant hand Um, one year everybody had to draw nick (laughs) that was pretty fun Um, and this year the two challenges were they had to draw each other's games because I knew they didn't play each other's games, so I thought it would be kind of fun.
2: That's wonderful.
1: Um, and then the last round, they all had to draw with their eyes closed. It's on Twitch and YouTube now, so you can definitely see the whole
2: panel. Oh, cool! I'll link it in the description of cool. the podcast. Awesome. And so you do these things in order to de- to determine who is the greatest of artists. Yes. What's the prize? Is the prize nothing? You're a great artist. Yeah, that's rad. Who won I'm, this year? Well, there's
1: no like declared winner. Just each. Like there's someone that wins every round. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Just an ongoing battle of the arts. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I heard that you also did some art. Well, how did that feel? <laughs> Terrible. Hated it.
1: <laughs> no. Can't draw
2: to save my life. It was really great. What did you you drew, you
1: drew a creature? I drew a shark. They wanted musical shark, and so everything that I draw has chicken feet, no matter what. It's just you know, it's kind of my thing. Every artist has a signature. Mine is chicken feet.
4: Chicken feet.
1: See, even
2: your chair made this wiggle.
0: I know. Well, that was my belly. Oh. My chair moved my belly. And my belly <laughs> moved the table, and the table moved the microphone.
1: And the hand bones could. That was like do that? four accents. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I was building into. Were you? If, was
2: ever you traveling around the world with that?
0: I was possessed by many demons.
2: Okay. Speaking of being possessed by a demon, look what were some highlights <laughs> from PAX Unplugged for you?
0: Was did I go to PAX? <laughs> yeah,
2: you were there. You were double there because you were in the Kickstarter booth. You were in the Burning Wheel booth. You were taking meetings. I mean, like, I, were you there in spirit? I don't know, but physically, you were everywhere.
0: I was possessed by whom? <laughs> uh, I don't know whoever was there. I wasn't there. My body <laughs> was there. It was a good show. The Kickstarter booth was great. It was the right size this year. It was well, well attended. Anya did an incredible job curating the uh, games and speakers for the booth. Some, a couple shows a year I go to both as Kickstarter me and creator me and do double duty. And you know, usually Anya and Ali and Alex, the events team, handle most of the like Kickstarter responsibilities and that. I'll go and do talks or meetings, and and also handle my booth. But this year, I had to like spend all of Friday just doing like, you know, cash register at my booth because we were so understaffed. Oh wow! Um, which I don't mind. It's just I tend to get pulled in a lot of directions. I'm really bad at being at the booth now because people walk up to me and they just start talking to me, um, <laughs> and I'm just like, I am. I really just need to sell this person a book. Uh, can you wait a minute? What what really baffles me? Does this happen to you too? Where you'll be like outside the booth talking to somebody and someone will just walk up to you and just start talking to you mm-hmm. like the other person's not there.
2: Yeah. I haven't had that yet. And I think partially it's because um, when I'm not at the booth, I try to put my headphones on so nobody talks to me.
0: <laughs> Why? Well, can we have like a, like a manners moment? Or yeah. Like, just like, hey, everybody, be polite. Like, I yeah. see you. I see you standing there. I got your eye. It's cool. But I need to devote my full attention to this person so that then I can devote my full attention to you. And if you interrupt me, right. then I turn into a monster. Go away. Oh, boy. <laughs> like if it's, a, I don't know, if it's an emergency, if like your car is on fire and, yeah. I, and like or my car is on fire. I don't have a car. Maybe you don't have a car. I don't either, but, no. Or whatever, like then, of
2: course, you know, interrupt me. But otherwise, like...
0: I just gave him the finger wag.
2: The index finger. Yeah. It's like you got to give him a number in line. We should give you like those numbers that you pull at the deli. <laughs> and you could be like, sorry, I am on number 42 right now. I just
0: have one of those counters on my back. And yeah.
2: Sh- Put it in your backpack. It's perfect. Mm.
0: Yeah. I love it. That seems like an optimal solution. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Any other packs, low lights? Victoria Tran put together
1: this great panel called the Networking for Introverts and so we did it and we had a panel of all femme presenting panelists Mm -hmm. and it pissed off some of the men's
2: What? What would they say? They're like, Uh, you need to have a man on the panel. (laughs) Why? I would bet you so much money that they've gone to so many panels that were all men and thought nothing of it, though.
1: Yeah, someone walked up to a D at a D's booth and was like, yeah, you should have men on the panel next time. And she was like, "Okay." I wouldn't say that's a low light. It's just like an oversight more than anything else.
2: Yeah we go to shows like PAX uh, we always have a really good time you know and Mm -hmm. it's always a lot of work but then like some things happen such as I dropped my phone into a PAX toilet which is worse than a usual toilet I think
0: oh yes by like a magnitude of 10
2: and then like what do you do about that you know do you want me to tell you what I did this Mm -hmm. is what I did so I pulled it out of the toilet and then I took the case off and then I had toilet case and toilet phone in my hand. And I was like, I don't really know what to do. And so I went to the sink and I washed the case and then my phone was still toilety. I didn't know what to do with that. So I just got a bunch of paper towels and like I got soap and I washed it. And then I got back to the booth and I doused them both in hand sanitizer. Uh, and my phone oddly still works. Uh, but, you know, she's scarred. She's been through some shit. If that,
0: literally. If, <laughs> if that happens again, we have... Um, because of stuff that happened to Gen Con we talked about in the last podcast, we have mm-hmm. a canister of, like, you know, high-strength disinfectant wipes at the Burning Wheel booth now. Oh, that's excellent. So I'm not a germaphobe at all. I'm, like, bring on the germs. I don't, like, germs are, you know... My blanket. Germs like I'm difference. I'm totally cool like the with the germs all over, but we must have limits. They're, they're, and Pax toilet is definitely yeah. far beyond that limit.
2: Man, it was and it wasn't just that I dropped it into the toilet. It was I put it on top of the toilet paper dispenser, tried to get toilet paper out of the dispenser. This mm. dispenser fell off of the wall. <laughs> I and had my, one fall off too. It probably was the same exact booth. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, listen, uh, Philadelphia is great, but their convention center toilets could use some work.
1: (laughs) I was trying to get toilet paper, and then I looked down, and I had the whole dispenser in my hand, and I was like, what happened?
0: You monsters.
2: Right? I mean, yeah, well. Why do you think we go in pairs to the bathroom? (laughs) Yeah, let's just spot each other for these problems.
0: (laughs) When the stall is falling in on you. (laughs) We made a low light for other people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's true people were really into it so okay let's start from the beginning okay so what gave you the idea of wanting to do this thing
0: all right so it's a, a number of things it's no no one thing but let me tell you a tale Oh boy. gen con very mercifully ends at 4 p.m on sunday mm-hmm. and that used to just be the way shows ended now that we do pax pax just goes on forever on sunday it feels like it's monday already by the time we do breakdown Mm -hmm. but the the trade-off there is at gen con at like 405 there are these like forklifts and like these like carpet loaders whipping around the show floor at high speeds and i am convinced that that is my end i'm just gonna get impaled (laughs) by a forklift one year at Gen Con, or the, one of the carpet loaders. As you know, the carpet loaders, they're the ones that just have the one yeah. single spike on them, and they're, they're death. They are, the, like, the the horse that the Grim Reaper rides looks exactly like that.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, anyway, so for some reason, at the uh, this year, at the end of Gen Con, I was very tired, and I was once again thinking about my death by forklift. I also had been, I had watched all of Treme earlier this year, like over the winter. Uh, David Simon's show. And then, you know, Anya and I are always talking about like doing weird performances, uh, you know, at or during. I, I once made Anya play the saxophone at PAX Unplugged at the. Uh, I made her have. I, we we did it as a. We call it the jazz outro. It was the single worst idea we've ever had. I don't
2: know. That sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> it was It was
0: terrible. It was For those of great. you who don't it know, was
2: Anya terrible. is the apocalyptic saxophone god.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it just all came together and I like ran over to where Anya was and I was like, Anya, we need to have a second lined band funeral marching around Gen Con at during the show close. And Anya like didn't blink and she was like, Cool, cool, yeah, I got the band.
1: <laughs> I immediately texted a friend and was like, Hey, uh, what are you doing in December? <laughs>
0: well, no, no, no. Well and then and then Anya like looked at me, she was like, Well, we should do it at PAX Unplugged.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
0: And and then I was like, uh, yeah, sure, we'll do a dry run at PAX Unplugged. Yeah, why not? Um, and yeah, Anya booked the band.
1: They're not an actual band, like in terms of that group of eight musicians. If people are like, "Whoa, who are they?" and that was something I didn't even think about. Like that, I I don't know. Like if if we ever do this again, it probably won't be those eight musicians again. So there is no like name of the band. There's no way to like tag them or follow them or anything. They're a group of like people that have played together in multiple different venues, but they are not a currently existing band, which I thought was really interesting. And then someone said. Oh, I can send you an audition tape if you're gonna do this next year. And I was oh, like, nice. no. just some rando? Yeah, he was like, I play drums. This is my, you know, whatever. It was really sweet, but I was like, no, it's good. I got this.
0: Pe- people just assumed it was your band. People came up to me. Oh, yeah. Like, this is yeah. Anya's band, right? This was Funk crust and I was like, no. oh, no, uh, no, no, I get why you think that, but they're Anya's friends.
1: Oh, no, if it oh. was Funk crust it would be <laughs> mayhem.
0: Oh. See, so
2: that's what I want to see. I want to see some, Well, it was kind of mayhem, because yeah, right true. at the second of closing the show on Sunday, yeah. eight-piece second-line band, mm-hmm. and they just kind of went for it. It was amazing.
1: I mean, they, those are all some of the, like, they're... Some of the top brass players in New York City, like they all sub in for some of the big names, which is really great. So, like, I get to show my games friends my music world face to face versus just what they see on social media. And then I get to show my music friends my games world, which they get to, like, they only see on social media too. And so it was really interesting to just have them see me and my element versus me seeing them and their element, where I still kind of feel like an imposter in the brass world. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also, like, seeing. Their their faces light up over stuff that I'm just like what this is yeah of course I know that game why would I not know oh yeah this is like a this is like a new experience for you and so they went from just kind of having a lot of overstimulation mm-hmm. to to understanding oh pins are like uh, equity here yeah and so they just went wild oh, for thing? pins. Yeah, they were like, where do we get more pins? I need more pins. I need more pins than him. And they there became this like. <laughs> Enamel pins for context. Yeah, sorry. There became this like fight within the band of just like, wait, well, he has more pins than me. Why does he have more? And I was like, oh my god, here we go. They were very, very funny. Like they were just cracking me up watching them like walk around the show floor. Because I was like, oh, right. Like if you've never done this before, like I think I, I definitely have become desensitized to some of the PAX experience just because I'm like, you know, it I, happens every year. Yeah, it happens every year. I don't four go there. Four times a year. Four five times a now, year, right? Five, no, five times. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. go there as an attendee. I go there to like work like I'm right. working. So getting to see packs from their faces as like, yes, we're here to do a job, but also like we're here as fans of games, which is also why I specifically asked the person that I did to do the gig and put the band together is because he's a big gamer. Uh, it just was like, oh, right, this is fun. This is a fun thing that I do. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. And you were so giddy from the moment the band showed up. It was just very obvious that this was extremely your thing. Yeah. I mean, it went over, I think, really well. We'll have some audio um, of, of what happened later on in the show. I'm just going to show you guys some songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I mean, it, I think maybe, like, one person was like, this was too loud. And then everybody else was like really getting down and dancing. Yeah.
1: In the almost four years that I've been at Kickstarter, I've never seen Luke so happy. Oh my god. Like it was incredible. You were both
2: so thrilled. (laughs) Oh,
1: I was a nervous wreck.
0: (laughs) I was pretty nervous too. But so when when we thought of the idea in August, one of the the conditions of this was secrecy. Was 100% tell no one secrecy because... I didn't
2: know what was happening.
0: Yeah, because we were like gonna bust this out and we were gonna break uh, or bend, rather, if not break, rules. I don't know that there's specifically a rule that you can't have a second-line band marching around during the shutdown. Okay, but... but
1: if other booths can blast horrible pop music during breakdown at, like, yeah. a full, ridiculous decibel, why can we not have a band that's going to bring joy versus annoyance?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree, I agree. So, anyway, well, we kept it on the DL, wanted it to be a surprise, and, you know, and the more I thought about it, like the more, like, the idea of playing it at PAX Unplugged was good, because we could play the funeral for 2019. So yeah, we kept it secret. We kept it secret from as many people as possible. Just telling people, like, be at our booth at 6 on, on mm-hmm. Sunday. Or if you're at your booth unloading and you hear something, come through our booth. they were, The band was great about it. They did a little fanfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> at the, Good job. Thank you. Um, they taught me that word. As the, the hall was announced, closed, and then struck it up. And it was amazing. And people just came, like flocked around our booth and danced and uh, had a good time. And the band was so effing loud. They were oh, so yeah. pumped. It was great.
1: Well, Harry wants to break the world record as loudest
0: Sousa player. So oh nice.
1: I was like, just be, be cool. He can play so much louder. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah I, I would, I would appreciate that he was cool. What was yeah. the band leader's name again? Matt. Matt. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And the so band leader was really great. I really like got to you know, appreciate his skills both as a player, mm-hmm. as a band leader, but then also he had to watch me because as Anya was like, no, Luke, you need to tell them where to go. You need to lead them around. I was like, oh, I do, don't I? So mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm like prancing around in front of them. Uh, you know, prance mo- is
2: definitely the correct verb the,
0: the, uh, to make sure that they're not interfering with any like equipment that's loading out and not getting, you know, in the enforcers faces or anything like that and just making sure they're marching around.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like you got to have a little bit of a taste of what I do in my creative endeavor. Mm, Sure, even just playing a gig, you have to wear the two hats of like, okay, I have to make sure like if I'm going to jump off the stage, where am I going to jump exactly? Who's there? I have to think about a a thousand different things, and then also like, okay, did I hit the right note? What's this key? I don't remember what this is. Like it's it's a it's a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really impressed by like you know I could see them processing and and, uh, yeah, watched Matt the band leader uh, guiding them through Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and like he had signals for them and and, Mm -hmm. hand signs and everything. It was great. It was really fun. And yeah, we got a range of reactions. So the first Enforcer I talked to was pissed. Yeah, he was not happy. I felt so bad. But then this... Mike Fellauer, formerly of Penny Arcade, uh, jumped in. I asked the enforcer, "I was like, we want to fall behind you. Is that okay?" And he's like, "No." And
1: wow. Yeah,
0: yeah and, that's and, fair.
1: I'm glad you asked. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not a complete monster. <laughs> <laughs> just like I'm, just kind of like Caliban, right? Half man, half monster. Um, wow.
2: So. Deep cut Shakespeare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we got back to the booth. Uh, Ryan Marcus from Pax was there, and. Uh, he was videoing oh, the thing I saw on his him. phone. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so I waited for him to get done taking video, and, and I was like, ah. And he was like, this is amazing. Uh, you know, over the music, right? Everybody's shouting because the music's so loud. And then he turns to me, he's like, how much longer? And I looked at my phone, it was 617. I like burned into my brain. And, uh, so I said, uh, about 10 more minutes. He, like, there's a beat, and he turns to me, he says, Five more minutes uh, and we're there good. There we go. I was like, all right. So that's when I signaled to the band, like one more. Uh, it was really nice. Like, as we were parked in our booth, and I like tried to move them into our booth, but there were definitely some exhibitors around us who were pissed.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, I didn't yeah. see anybody. Uh, maybe it was just like my rose colored classes, but like the whole time I was just like filming and recording and being like, this is so fun. We're all having a moment here right now, aren't we? Group hug. Like, I didn't notice any negativity.
1: Yeah. Feedback from the band—they loved it.
5: Oh yeah, they
1: loved it. They had an absolute blast. They said it was so fun to watch everyone who like, they would kind of observed that like people are kind of shy at PAX, and so it was like it was. Not, it, they loved watching people just kind of like open themselves up a little bit and like dance around and have a really good time. And they were like, "Can we do this again? Can we? Can we come to East? Can, can we? They? Can we? We really want to do this again. Maybe. This was amazing. <laughs> they were. They kept trying to stop at people's booths to keep asking for pins. Like they were just like, <laughs> but so are there silly. any pins left? Are they, what about a pin? <laughs> they, were, they were cracking me up. They were very, very funny. And then we had dinner yeah. with them, and one of them turns to me, because he was sitting with John Roderick, and he was like, Ani, I really like your friends, and then just like <laughs> went back to eating. And I was like, okay, well, Adorable. there we go. That's a, that's an A plus all around, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Go team. <laughs> Okay, uh, what was your favorite project of the year since this is going to be the last one? Oh best? my
2: gosh, what a good question. <sighs> Obachan Panic from February of last year mm-hmm. was outstanding. It's mm-hmm. this zine uh, RPG about grannies and aunties that uh, are like armed to the teeth, and it was like, it was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Vikings versus Visigoths. Mm-hmm. Or what was it? No, Mall Kids versus. Mall <laughs> Kids versus Visigoths by Lucian, yeah. Oh Lus- my gosh. Lucian I think. Yeah, yeah Lucian Khan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anya, you introduced me to that project, and mm-hmm. I became obsessed immediately
1: favorite favorites always i guess i shouldn't have said favorite because it is a little difficult but i I guess i would say the one that i'm most proud of is actually one that's live still which is divinity original sin the board game it was great just as someone who like works in the relationship management side of kickstarter just like re establishing that relationship and then seeing it come to fruition at the end of the year like the full 12 month cycle of like this takes a long time it's not a, it's not always just like drop in email someone project funds not a problem like really seeing that like that work that time that energy seeing it all happen and and watching um, watching them fund quickly and sharing in their excitement with them has been like really rewarding
2: do we know when their campaign ends
1: it ends on the 20th of december
2: oh it's going to it'll end the day the podcast comes out nice <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Luke, how about you? What are your, uh, how about, not, not a favorite, but maybe like a highlight game that sticks out to you from this past year?
0: Uh, yeah, now you've made me look at my brain. Yeah, you, um,
2: Luke opened up his computer and has just been searching furiously because he's very excited about this yeah, question.
0: So the year kick for me kicked off in a great way, we, if we go back uh, to January 19th, uh, and that was this very strange game called Stonehenge and the Sun.
2: Right. Yeah. Um,
0: that funded by this company called Iten.
2: Yeah, Japanese um, studio, right? Yeah.
0: I have been trying to entice the incredible Japanese tabletop games community onto Kickstarter, trying to prove the model to them. And so working with a friend of mine, Jordan Draper, uh, who we had on this podcast before, mm-hmm. we managed to convince it, It's End to launch this project. And, and I didn't quite understand what they are saying because this game is very weird. You have to, like, mount it to your ceiling to play it. Yeah,
5: there's, like, like, a ball. Yeah,
0: there's a ball. Uh, so I was so excited to have this game be a, a part of Kickstarter and to fund uh, as well. Like, I'm so glad when the community embraces new weird ideas that are not just... You know but things that we know we love. I since got to host iten at uh, our booth at Tokyo Game Show. We went out there and, and hung out with them. And, and uh, tabletop world in Japan right now is incredible.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So that was a great way to kick off the year for me. That was pre Zine Quest last year, and then of course, yeah, yeah I loved the Zine Quest zines. Uh-huh. Oh, what route was this? Like the oh, that's Underworld right. expansion. Yes, yeah.
1: I have to say, I think they are the nicest team in tabletop.
2: We have like our creators who are just like our, our little dumplings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. our little sweet dumplings. So it's yeah,
0: a good community. Our type was this year. The the from uh, just came out of nowhere from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, Escape from the Dark Sector um, by uh, Themeborn. WM Acres also launches these little solo play games about playing baseball, like like old school baseball. He wrote. They're called Dead Ball. They're some of my favorite Kickstarter projects ever. He designed them so he could play games while like feeding his daughter, like Aww. his infant daughter, and you know. So they're just kind of like roll and about playing old school baseball, and I just think they're the coolest thing. Uh, Extreme Meat Punks Forever.
1: Oh yeah, is... that was that was really fun to work on. Tell uh,
2: me about Extreme Meat Punks Forever.
1: It's a um, anti fascist video game. Sweet, it's pretty great.
0: My friends Jason and Steve did a new version of Fiasco, which is going to be effing
2: huge yeah i backed that uh yeah
0: yeah yeah that's a like a really key key game in our world yeah philip reed was uh one of the creators he works at steve jackson he's one of the creators for zine quest and uh he was so inspired by zine quest he's just kept launching zine projects
2: <gasps> that's so neat
0: All right so he's like meanwhile he's been working behind the scenes on the car wars relaunch with steve jackson But at the same time, he's been just, like, launching these cool little zine projects in the sex. He was so psyched by Zine Quest, which is really beautiful. Also, can I just say, I'm a huge Car Wars fan. I
2: was going to just say, I was like, can we please talk about Car Wars? Because Um, I, it seems so, like, equal parts, like, fun and ridiculous and, like, Mad Max.
0: It is a totally ridiculous game. Amaze funded this year. Oh, oh, yeah, Amaze. Amaze. Go on and on and on and on. So... Um, good job, everybody.
2: It was a good job. Good job, us. Yeah. Good job, everyone else as well. Good
0: good right. job. Everybody back to tabletop game or game or on Kickstarter or whatever, whatever type of game on Kickstarter, give yourself a hug.
2: Yeah. Air high five, everyone in Internet land. Put your hand up in the air. You're high fiving me. My hand is also up. Yeah. Back in November, I checked out Playtest Party, which is an event that is presented by C2E2, which is the Chicago Entertainment and Comics Expo, and local comedy troupe The Nerdalogs at the Logan Theater in Chicago. A family-owned movie theater opened in 1915. It's really part restored Art Deco movie theater, part venue space with a lounge, and mostly a pleasant bar that just happens to serve popcorn.
5: Hello. What?
3: Get to talk
5: oh, a yeah. No, I just got it. Oh. Yeah. Hey. 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 hey! like, are you doing I yeah.
2: I make my way toward a pack of people I recognize, and it turns out it's the entire judging panel: Jamie Sanchez, Ed Soderberg. Kevin Reeder, and Randy O'Connor. Eric Garneau, who who are you and any highlights from the evening?
6: Uh, I'm Eric Garneau, so I am with the Nerdalogs that's been organizing this for the past four or five years. I'm also the founder and director of Games and Retail for the Chicago Board Game Cafe, so this has a nice, like, uh, professional outlet for me, too. I gotta give credit to Katie Johnston-Smith, who a Nerdalogs member who did all of the hard work, like, four or five years ago, and basically set everything in place so that each year all I have to do is wrangle the judges and like print some sheets out Uh, but I I don't know what it is like it is it's this wonderful celebration of community and I think it's just enough competition that people have skin in the game and that mixture of like 92% love and joy and 8% like I want to win in a venue where games typically aren't I think that makes the special sauce that like gets this thing popping every year I did pick the judges. Kevin and Jamie have been doing it, I think, the whole time. And then uh, Randy and Ed are new ads this year. And bless you guys. As they said, that they were competitors last year.
5: Kevin Reader. Oh, my God.
2: Kevin Reader is a co-designer of games like Competition Kitchen and Fisticuffs. And he's the creative director of Cards Against Humanity. And he may sound terrified of me, but I promise we go way back. Hello. Hi. Who, I love your shirt.
4: Oh, thank you, Trin.
2: You've worked in games and made games for so long.
4: T- truly, yes. This has been a delight to be able to work on with Eric and everybody that's been here for the past four years. This really is a celebration of games in addition to everything else. Yeah. That, like, There's a layer of competition here, but that carrot on the end of the stick is not the overall purpose of everything. It really is to highlight, showcase, and celebrate the cool indie games that people are making. So, I... Everything has something worthwhile, and you should check them all out.
2: I will. Yep. I will do that. Partly because it's my job. <laughs> and also because I believe you. And also because I, all of the judges while you were talking, they were all, like, nodding. It was like mm. the end of a cartoon where somebody was making, like, like titular line and they were like, yes, it is a Star Wars." You know what I'm saying?
4: <laughs> the, the more you know! Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is it? Loki from He-Man? What was the He-Man one, uh, the character? Oh, Loki from She-Ra. Loki from She-Ra. Yeah, yeah, Loki would hide in the backgrounds
2: and then Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Randy, tell me about you.
4: Uh, I'm a game designer. Uh, I make video games mostly, but I also make board games, and I teach game design at the Art Institute of Chicago. It's... it's so hard to judge like game design it's a very subjective thing right like because i think you know ultimately for me it's kind of like okay what you know what are you thinking while you're doing this stuff like i want to i really enjoy when i see you know some of these ideas where you're like these these people have really like come up with something original or they're like thinking about something differently right like how can we rethink like, if game design, like, for me, what I try and teach my students is that game design is about designing decisions, designing choice for players, and so I just really like seeing all the different ways people explore that here. So.
2: And I talked to Edwin Edward, Ed Ed, yes, I don't yes. know why I keep calling you Edwin. In fairness to myself, this was the first time I had met Ed, and I had been drinking an entire beer, so... Take it easy. I can call
5: you Edward. It's okay. And it's hard, too,
3: because different people come to games wanting different things out of it, right? Like, approaching some of those games that I wouldn't normally be the types of games that I play, and nor do I, nor did I come in with, like, the breadth or wealth of experience that, like, Randy or Jamie has, nor, like, the childhood ignorance that Kevin Reader has, <laughs> where I could just... I had to kind of, like, force myself to think without my own experiences in a way, just because there's a certain type of game that I'm interested in, there's a certain kind of game that I've made that I am making, um, and divorce myself from that. It's it's a lot harder than I thought it would be.
4: Well, I think, I mean, we definitely discussed about, like, how polished a presentation is can really influence, you know, your opinion. And so, like, I think one of the other things, Chicago has a huge, like, improv and comedy scene, so we have hints of that going on here. They also have a really good set of schools that have, like, like DePaul has a growing, uh, like, Strong game design program that they've been hiring, making really good hires lately. Uh, to get super technical into the weeds about it, um, and so like their their games program has some really good stuff that we've seen a few of those games here.
2: Are there long. like a lot of youngsters?
4: Yes. Especially
3: amongst the video games, I think. Right, yeah. Because it would be. Because I think it's sort of like sexy now to get into making games as an adult when maybe you frustrated other
6: creative outlets.
2: Eric Garneau is particularly enjoying this comment.
6: I just. I've had, you know, Ed and I have had discussions about this. It's, I
2: need to know. It's,
6: it feels like. Um, games until the 2010s was not a, a area that, like... Oh, God, I'm going to get so slammed no matter how I say this. in In the way that maybe there's a class of people that gravitates towards improv or stand up when they feel like they need to I- express a voice, a creative voice even without maybe the chops or, or the previous inclination to do so. I think in the last 5 to 7 years game design has become that for a lot of people. And I like I say this about podcasting too. I the the boon of it is also the downfall. It's so democratic that anybody can do it, but a lot of people who do it don't do it well. I mean, I'm not trying well, to I mean, throw shade on yeah, Everyone have, here is yeah, excellent. Have, I
4: have thoughts here. Well, I think... Uh, if you ask the random kid now what they want to do actually making like video games has become like a standard response. The number of parents that are like my kid wants to make video games what are the resources out there and like I think the way that it used to be I want to start a band. The industry has made, has has offered to people this, this route to success and I think the problem here is like all of these things like we, we see them as art but then you start to get excited by them and there's all these different ways you can be excited and then the industry offers you can make a career out of it. you need to think about what it is you want out of it, and I think that you know a lot of people are really excited by this. It is a creative outlet, and I think just being realistic about the challenges ahead, you know you should want to write the book, you should want to uh, compose music, you should want to make a video game,
6: and just explore it for that reason and see where it goes. I'm going to use Jamie's analogy, like, gaming is kind of like being a rock star now, right? Like, Pokemon is the highest grossing media property of all time. Grand Theft Auto 5 is, like, the highest grossing single piece of media, I think, that has ever existed. Like, there is a glam to this that I don't know that games had even 10, 15 years ago. And I think it, even though it's not strictly performative, like, in a way, the act of creating anything is a performance. And it's an, it's an act that gets you noticed. And I think that people are paying attention. Designers are not noticed. I was designers say.
4: are largely not known, and uh, there's there's a paper by Stefan Bara who's like pointing out that games are like designers are twice removed from creating emotion. Uh, you're creating a set of rules, which then creates like game states that players experience, and then those game states create the emotion. Like we are like game designers. I I am not a performer. I am very much not a performer, and uh, I'm okay with that.
2: Because <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, even Pokemon, Grand Theft Auto, like, I mean, I know these words. I don't know anybody who's associated with them, though. I could tell you who the community managers are, because those, that's my industry, but, like, <laughs> but that's it. Like, I mean, I couldn't be, like, I know that Pokemon maker.
6: But, but by the same token, like, how many gigantic rock stars are there anymore? Like, I bet there's, like sub-ten pop stars that are like world like like famous enough that they're a household name like Taylor Swift exactly there's just uh, media has fractured and there's in any field it's almost impossible to reach that level because content streams are so uh, so divided now so I even though you're right like I don't know the name of the guy who designs Grand Theft Auto but I bet the fact that it made 90 billion dollars no that's Pokemon I'm sorry <laughs> I bet the fact that it made an ungodly amount of money and is still Sixty dollars five years after it came out uh, to buy means it's a bunch of kids are like I want to make that game and that's why they start. That's true. That's what Randy knows more than me about video I was games. I'm gonna say it's the Housers. They made GTA. Great. Oh, and thank you.
2: A- <laughs> I would never have known. I know House House made the Goose Game. Uh huh. Honk. Yeah. The Goose Game is the best game. Game of the year. Hands down. That's Jamie Sanchez, a co-organizer, design director, and founder of Bitbash, which is this mini indie games party, and it's like the coolest thing we do in Chicago, so just go Google it. Uh,
6: I think that identity is people, people take things they like and make it their identity, and, and I don't know if that's insidious or I don't know what it is, but I think that there's lots of people who see that goose on Twitter and never having played the game are like, I like that, because like you said, it's a goose, and I think that is... We can't discount that. I think that we see the memetics of gaming having a huger impact on culture now than we ever had before.
3: It's a bit of an anarchist icon, too, right?
6: Yeah.
5: (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's true. All the Deadpool people are now goose people.
3: (laughs) They're gonna ruin it. They're
2: gonna ruin it. <laughs> i we were talking about like goose cosplay and how it'd be easy to just drag a rake around a convention and everybody will know who you are. Or like wear a bell or wear a red ribbon. But now that I, I will fear them because they're the new Deadpool. Change That's
6: not <laughs> No, I don't like No, I don't like either. Oh god.
2: Uh, but, like, the memes of, like, your own personal identity, uh, I feel like that's super natural and will always happen. I mean, it's Capricorns, it's Hufflepuffs, it's exactly. it's airbenders, you know? It's, like, a it's a very easy way to try and explain yourself to the world and try to understand your own behavior. It's
6: just easier now, I feel like. It's yeah.
5: also very agnostic of other cultures, like older world cultures, you yeah, know? that's true. It transcends religion and, you know, heritage and things like that, in a very powerful... Uh, palatable
2: way it
3: just made me frame the way i think about a lot of things in a completely different way
2: right? <laughs> welcome to b- being friends with jamie
3: <laughs> you know there are people who want to be game makers and there are people who want to make games and everyone in that room is somebody who wants to make games there's some great stuff in there you're gonna have a wonderful time and the demon-pissing thing is the first thing.
2: Excellent. I'm going to go piss. If you can give me, like, your thoughts. Sure. Uh, so the developer uh, created it
5: for the Oculus Quest, which is a VR headset. Uh, and you put the headset on, and you're welcome. Like, you're kind of in this dingy or uh, restroom where they have, like, terrible walls and textures, and, like, you just have to pee. Okay. And doing so in the weird, dingy toilet is actually very difficult in a VR space. Uh, But little do you know that this is like a portal to a new dimension through the toilet. So a dimension of piss. Yes. So the the goal is to both... Kiss on the demon and, like shove them into another dimension. It's very weird. You I highly also had recommend your
3: head in the toilet is you
5: you did too, Randy. <laughs> so this is not my only shame so. <laughs> like you want to gag a
2: little. Now that's a gagging response. that's good environmental design if it makes you want to throw up and with that, it's time to actually check out a few of the games. So I enter the main games arena and the first thing I see two rubbery plastic trouts. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those fish that are up on a placard that you press a button and then the fish start singing a song. You know what I'm talking about? And there are just these two fish by this game called sashimi slammers which coincidentally ended up winning the thing. So I asked Kevin and Lauren to demonstrate.
5: someone next to you, you're going to do like a backflip. And then you'll end up in the So you want to try to push each other. You, yeah. you want to keep going forward and attack Yeah, yeah. Oops. So the controller is this fish. Yes. Okay.
2: So they're taking both fists and... Beating
4: the fish. <laughs> uh, so we're two competing fish, Wait. and we're trying to move towards each other and slap each other into
0: a hot bin of of, of oil. Oh, this is gross. This is. All right. So oh, come on. win winning? I don't think
6: anybody.
2: <laughs> that no, pounding no, sound no, that no, you're no, hearing no, is the fists no, of Lauren no, and Kevin just beating on their respective plastic fish controller. And uh, you just, you no, slam that sashimi. The fish you beat it up. The oil. That, Kevin is the winner. Kevin, how, do you, how does it feel? Uh, ha, ha. Everybody's the winner who plays. <laughs>
5: what do you do with the team um, so i am the producer and also ui ux artist um, since the game is pretty simple like anyone of all ages can play like someone who's like maybe not super sober or someone who's <laughs> yeah. like 5 years old can like totally come up and play this game and they love Crunch. just fish really getting in there it's really great yeah it's so super far it's super been good great. well a lot of people have suggested that we use real fish um, oh which boy. most of the team members do want to do except maybe me
2: <laughs> like maybe, maybe a special edition. Yeah, that's that's what they were saying. There's, they said special edition real fish. It doesn't have to be every copy. That yeah. could that could get smelly really fast. That'd be expensive. Get out of it. And what, what, so here's the thing. What's more expensive, real fish or plastic fish?
4: In the long term, I would say the real fish. If we have to replace them more often. With the real fish, though, it's free tenderized meat.
2: It is quite clear that they have thought about this extensively before.
0: Uh, <laughs> Oh
2: my it is far too late on a school night now, so let's close this out with a thank you to all of the games that participated. base Drops, Bitey Trees, Broom Bash, Canvas, Campton's Hold, Cheese Please, Cold Calling, Domesticate Hell, Dwelling Part Zero, Fortunes, the Tarot Card Storytelling Game, Coquette Koi Yo, Mint Condition Comics, The Narrator, One More Thing, Royal Unions, Sashimi Slammers, TP, and Weekend at Grandma's. It's p.m. on a Saturday, and it's way past our bedtime.
6: Thank you, yes
2: booth at PAX Unplugged Philadelphia revolves around games, Kickstarter-funded games in particular. So all day long in our little corner of the convention there were two tabletop games constantly running at the two different tables. Now I helped create some of the assets for the show so the schedule went through me and I noticed something interesting. On the last day of the convention, the very last time slot available, in that slot was a game called Second Line. I'd never heard of this game before and I was really curious to know what the deal was because it seemed that we gave a game called Second Line a half-hour slot in the last half hour of the entire show. Uh, At 5 30 p.m. people are already starting to pack up or they're headed to evening panels. It's not the best place for somebody to demo their game. And I raised the concern to Luke and Anya, and they told me, don't worry about it. Anya, yes. Without telling us exactly what is about to happen, (laughs) what is about to happen? Um,
1: If you've ever been to New Orleans and you've walked Frenchman Street or anywhere in the French Quarter, then you are aware of what's happening, specifically what funerals are in New Orleans. So what you're saying is there will be beads being thrown. Things will be thrown. I don't know if beads will be them. More like sound will be thrown. Um, there will be high quality entertainment.
2: Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. So, as the convention was winding down in that last half hour, we started, you know, very slowly, very subtly cleaning things up, putting things away. And as we we're cleaning up and putting things away, we notice a ragtag crew of gentlemen performers that we had not yet seen. The
4: thing that people have to do now is all at, at the softest level that, that they can. But I'll pass off that we need to hit just like a little fanfare right after.
2: That. He says that a gen- as a gentleman plays drums softly on a couch in our booth.
5: Yeah, it's great. I am. You asked for band. I, well, well,
0: yeah, I am extremely nervous right now, Why? but also very excited. Why are you nervous? Who knows what's gonna happen? Like I
5: think it's gonna be okay. I think it's gonna be great.
0: But well,
5: here's i, the other, I don't know where to go. <laughs> it was
2: organized, positive, mayhem. People were dancing. People were clapping. Luke had some kind of bandana that he was tossing around. I'm told this is a tradition in Louisiana funerals. Forcer, so one of the show volunteers, slowly shaking his head, half amused, maybe a little annoyed, I thought it might be nice to ask him a few questions. Is this what you expected after Luke described this to you? No. Well, how did Luke describe this to you?
3: A small gathering.
2: Um, (laughs) Of? Exhibitors. (laughs) So he didn't mention the brass band at all? No. Great. Thank you for your service, Mr. Enforcer. Truly, I have never seen Luke or Anya happier. I mean, the last half hour of a games convention, we're all very, very tired. It's at least been a 10 hour day. So I was delighted to see that rather than being too loud and annoying everybody around, it seemed to give the room just a little bit of pep. We are here together and we are ready to burn 2019 down. because you think to yourself, a brass band, how loud could that possibly be? It's pretty, it's pretty loud, turns out. Walking around, going through people's booths. Some people are dancing, some people are smiling. Some people aren't smiling, it's not for everyone. And yet we did this for everyone. This is Trin Garitano signing off at PAX Unplugged for Kickstarter.
5: (laughs)
6: Um <laughs> top